You're listening to the Detox and Chill podcast with Megan Dillon and Beck Benyon. We're two millennial women in the corporate world juggling wellness and a fast-paced lifestyle. On this podcast, we're breaking down wellness into digestible episodes that fit into your weekly routine. We're on this journey with you, learning from wellness and lifestyle experts in their fields. From our lighthearted banter, what's the appropriate amount of time to go between shaving our legs? To getting deep about everyday struggles like hormones, societal norms, and gut health, we're your podcast besties. Disclaimer, no late night text needed to detox and chill. everyone Friends. happy tuesday yes. it's weird saying tuesday now I know, but i like tuesdays yeah better. do you guys like tuesdays let us know i feel like it fits better yeah because then you can get monday out of the way mm-hmm. you're like more in your routine you're mm-hmm. ready for the week yeah and i feel like i'm like more like ready to share it more yeah does that make I sense totally agree yeah i'm ready to like blast it out right and, like, exactly like it. mondays i'm getting ready for work and yeah. i'm just like too, it's too much sad yeah so hopefully you guys <laughs> like tuesdays as well let us know yeah um so meg and i were just talking about riding home on the t so yeah. for those of you who don't know in boston the subway is called the t so when we yeah. say t that's what we're talking about yeah um and we both ride the t every day to and from work yes so lovely so much fun <laughs> <laughs> um but today and a few you know, this has happened before. Yeah. And I feel like we just need to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I have like so many specific mm-hmm. tea pet peeves mm-hmm. now. So today on the ride home, granted, I think it's a late week because Boston schools have this thing called winter break. Yeah. Which is weird. Like, February vacation. It seems very soon after yeah, Christmas. It I does. don't know. We never had that in Pennsylvania. But, no. um, so I feel like it's later in general, mm-hmm. but I get on the tea and there's a woman sitting there, obviously totally fine. But then she has her bag on the whole seat no. next to her. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not, not crowded. Right. It's still on five tra- o'clock. Yeah. On it's a, still five thirty. Like le- everyone's leaving work and she just doesn't move it. No. Mm-mm. I think that's so rude. That, I think that is my biggest pet peeve on the tee. Yeah. Like, if there are people standing around and you have your bag on the seat, yeah. you are the worst human. Especially, like, I don't know, there's, like, kids, there's, right. like, a dad, like... I don't know. Well, and just, like, people who are tired from work, yeah. just like you, lady. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's almost like people think that their specific level of right. energy or, like, what they're feeling is, is like, more than superior, others. Yeah. which is probably really reading into this, no, but I get not. super pissed. I'm well, like, then I wonder, like, okay, does, does this person do this every day? Yeah. Like, Why? You obviously see people standing, and there's a perfectly good seat next to you. Put your bag on your lap. We need an intervention. We do. <laughs> we need signs. Sponsored by the Detox and Jump Yes. Because, <laughs> like, I, sometimes I'll have two bags because mm-hmm. I go to the gym, and so I'll pile that on me. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah, yeah exactly. <sighs> if you're one of these people, you can't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Anymore. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then also today, it must have been a thing with today, people are just off their, I don't know, normal routines, but I was sitting on the end seat, and there's, like, a bar, kind of, it's probably, like, shoulder level, um, next to the end seat, and this guy gets on, and he 
sits on it and so his butt is in my face and it's a full train so i'm like trying not to lean into the girl next to me yeah and he still he feels like he owns that bar yeah. with his butt like you i do not just, like poked it I like, excuse me, like elbow yeah it. yeah but like why do people think that's okay i don't know i also recently had a situation this was like next level could have been anxiety inducing luckily dan and i had taken it the same day Mm -hmm. so i could at least like lean over into him and invade his personal space Mm but we were stuck between harvard and central underground Mm -hmm. so for anyone listening it's like you're literally in pitch black it's yeah i don't know i think new york is like this too yeah where it's like so you're just in between your underground it's pretty claustrophobic yeah it's very claustrophobic completely silent the only sound is a baby crying it was like very eerie but this guy was like leaning on the pole Mm -hmm. but like leaning over on top of me what and yeah what is wrong with people i was like sir you're not working the pole like please back up back away but like i would never say that so i just feel like i passive aggressively will just like glare up and like but it's just weird. I would never feel comfortable invading someone's no. space like that. No, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I had another one too, and I oh. can't remember. Shoot. I know. The last time I saw a lady with her bag next to her, though, I asked her to move it and sat down. In what that did she seat. say? And she just kind of like scoffed at me. She's like, oh, okay. But I'm like, yeah, you're rude. I don't care if there are other seats available. I'm going to sit right here. Oh, the worst. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So I had a dilemma recently. So I feel like I get really pissed for a person. Like if they're pregnant, if Mm -hmm. they have a baby, like these are the times that people need to be offering seats Mm -hmm. and they don't. Right. Especially like 25 year old guys. Yeah exactly i'm like sir you're young stand up <laughs> yep clearly i've seen that happen up. before so there was like a pregnant woman she's probably like in her 30s yeah and there was an older woman standing next to her and there was a younger guy sitting yeah. down yeah. and the older woman i was like yes girl yeah she was like excuse me will you stand up so that yeah. this woman can sit down and like he kind of like took out off his headphones he was like what and she was like can you like, she's yeah, pregnant, yeah. can you please let her sit? And he was like, oh, okay. And kind of, like, looked at her funny. But I was like, go you for, oh, like, saying something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, we're all, like, standing here, and you're yeah. sitting down. Yeah. Oh, I on. think it's so disrespectful. Have some decency. But what I did, which would love people's opinions on, so there's a woman who I was, like, 75 to 80% sure was pregnant. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's the winter in Boston. You can't be sure. Right. Lots you know? of big coats. <laughs> there are lots of big coats. But I was, like, pretty sure. And I made eye contact with her. She made eye contact with me. And I was, like, "Do you, would you like to sit? And she was, like, sure. And she sat. But then I had that moment where I was, like, mm. this is, like, asking someone if they're pr- pregnant when they're not. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. But at the end of the day, I was glad I did it. And right. if she was a normal person, she was She's probably, probably, like, like All right, I'll sit. <laughs> Yeah. And she probably, like, if she was pregnant, she probably appreciated it. Yeah. If she wasn't, she's like, oh, this person's being yeah. really nice. The way she said it, though, it gave me pause. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she was like, sure. <laughs> and then she's I was like, like, why is this yeah. person asking me to sit down? But okay. <laughs> but I feel like I would rather err on the side mm-hmm. of too much. Yeah, I agree. Because I would, of the young yeah. guys like this. I would never want to be that person that, you yeah. know, is not allowing a pregnant woman to sit or like a 90 year old man or woman (laughs) like I see that all the time or people with like 
strollers. People right. won't let them off the train. <laughs> yeah. Guys, there's like seriously so many. Do we need to produce rules yeah. and post them? Just <laughs> yes. put them all the way yes. up. Um, but join our Facebook group and let us know if you have any. <laughs> Seamless transition. Seamless transition. Uh, let us know if you have any pet peeves like yeah. we do. Yeah. We just need to get it off our test sometimes, especially on a Tuesday. Seriously. When it feels like a Friday. Yeah, but it's not. It's basically the weekend. <laughs> um, so today's episode is a really, really cool one. Yeah. I am just blown away by Kate Van Horn. Mm-hmm. She is an entrepreneur, a blogger, a yoga instructor, one of the founders of The Good Fest, which we've talked about before on the podcast that we absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just had so much wisdom to share. She does. I feel like this is one we've been wanting to do for Mm -hmm. a really long time. And it just aligned perfectly Mm -hmm. this week. Like, we had some things move around, and it was just, like, totally meant to be. Yeah. but her story is amazing. You'll hear you'll hear all about it in this episode. Um, and to your point, I feel like she's just wise beyond her mm-hmm. years. Like I, yeah. I just want to hear all of her advice. Um, and she's also an amazing entrepreneur. Like oh, yeah. the Good Fest came well before so many other wellness festivals mm-hmm. that I feel like are trendy now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just have all the respect for Kate and mm-hmm. we know you'll love this episode. Yeah. And I know we say this a lot, but this, we truly could have talked for hours and hours with mm-hmm. her and I can't wait to hang out with her someday. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. One day. But, um, she shares her trauma, her, um, she suffered through a sexual abuse when she was a child and she talks about the process through that. Um, PTSD and the treatment that she um, sought after, you know, kind of working through it herself and figuring out that she needed help. So this is a really awesome episode. I really hope that you get the most out of it. I know I'm going to go back and listen mm-hmm. to it time and time again whenever I need a kind of a pep talk. and Every night before bed. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but we really hope you enjoy it. Kate, thank you again for joining us. We love you. And we hope all of you listeners out there love it as well. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So today we have an awesome guest on, Kate Van Horn. Um, We first um, met Kate at the Good Fest. We actually, um, I don't know if you remember this, Kate, probably not because there's so many people, but we saw you the morning after at, what was it called? P.S. and Company? Yeah, yeah. So um, (laughs) you were there with the other founders of the Good Fest, which was so fun. Um, But we're so grateful for you for coming on the podcast. And we just really want to start out with your story so that our listeners can learn more about you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I am Kate. I am from the Philadelphia area, but I recently just moved out to L.A., Um, I'm a yoga instructor, I lead meditation, I read tarot, and then in addition to that, um, I'm also a blogger, influencer, I guess, if you want to use those terms, Mm -hmm. and um, lastly, the co-founder of um, a wellness events brand called The Good Fest, and we host festivals and pop-up events for anywhere from 75 to 500 women, um, primarily women. And we cover all different topics around wellness and self-love and um, also just 
you know, try to give a 360 degree view of wellness. So it's not just about the food on your plate or the way you move your body, but also like your mindset and your community and how you're showing up for the things that you're passionate about, your career, um, so on and so forth. So that's kind of my, uh, my story as far as like what I'm doing currently. But what led me to that place was, um, pretty, pretty difficult and, uh, was definitely hard because I struggled with, um, anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder in my teenage years and throughout college. And throughout that time, I just was really looking for any and all resources to make me feel whole and better. And, um, I started to take up more mindfulness practices and learn meditation and yoga and felt such relief. And I just really, um, I practiced that for a little while and, and started to integrate kind of the, the love for my body into my food. And it all just started to become a lifestyle for me and something that I really wanted to share. And I wanted to, um, connect with an audience. It started online. It started with my Instagram account and my blog. And I just felt this need to, um, show other women that it is possible to go from kind of honestly self hate and feeling, uh, really unsure about yourself and insecure in your body and your mind and your thoughts and turn that around to actually start to accept yourself fully. And, um, so that's what I did. I started with the blog and eventually met my business partners, Jess and Jen, um, connected with them. And we all agreed that there's like a lot of really amazing things happening on our phones and through Instagram and through um, different groups like Facebook groups and all of that. There's plenty of opportunities online to connect, which is really beautiful and special. Um, but we wanted to bring things back, you know, in real life. And um the good festival was born from that. So since then we, we take it around to different places. We love that. And I, I think that really resonates with our mission for this podcast. Um, Beck and I both had wellness Instagram accounts and blogs and, you know, we enjoyed liking people's posts and commenting, but I like nothing can replace um, interacting with people face to face, especially um, other women with the same values that you have. So that is clearly something you're accomplishing with the Good Fest, and it's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I agree. It's it's really really awesome. Like the amount of friendships that I've actually um, created through my online like platform and audience and and true friendships like we now you know keep in touch and call each other and make sure to meet each other when we're in each other's cities and um and hang out and support each other beyond just like liking and commenting um it's so funny like it's just been such a shift in how especially women connect and meet each other nowadays and it's um really cool I we were really blown away by the amount of women who tell us that they have known each other and been in contact with each other for months or even like longer and then they meet for the first time at one of our events so that's mm-hmm. really special. it is I I had the same experience with a couple people um that I follow on Instagram and interact with so that was just really cool to give them a hug in person yeah. um so one thing I'd like to transition to and I know your website has kind of gone through a rebranding um, in the past year or so and I, I love the shift that it's taken overall. Um, it just feels so authentic and you know open to anyone who's reading your story. But there's one specific piece 
that I think it's just important to talk about and it's touchy to talk about and I think it's hard to talk about. Um, but you say, you know, on your about me section that for the first 23 years of your life, you lived small and defined yourself um, by what happened to you rather than what um, you knew you were capable of. And you kind of go into living in a mindset of fear. And I would love to talk about that if that's something you're comfortable um, sharing a little bit more about. But I know that it's something that a lot of people go through and are maybe scared to talk about and are just looking for someone else who's been through something similar. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely look back and realize that I, I definitely like my mindset was small and I can't really think of another word for it. And I think anytime you're in a fear-based place, your beliefs and your, your core beliefs about yourself are so limiting that it's really, it's crazy to even look back on. Um, so really what, what caused that or maybe created that for me was, um, just as a child, like my, my experience was, um, less than perfect for sure. I, I had, experienced abuse as a child. I spoke about this on a couple of podcasts, um, in the form of childhood sexual abuse, um, by someone that a caretaker, not in my family, but, um, that really happened at a very young age when I was about four. And, and that combined with some other transitions and shifts in my family and things that were going on. My parents were going through a divorce at the time and it just started to create a lot of chaos and, and, in my life. And that was, um, something that as a young girl is not processed properly, obviously, and you have no idea really what's going on. And there's this level of insecurity and feeling of, um, not being safe for sure. Mm -hmm. So that kind of manifested into a lot of anger and angst for lack of a better word. I was, um, you know, when I started to get older and realizing and understanding what had happened, I, uh, the anger, energy of the trauma and the fact that I wasn't really sharing or telling anyone. I didn't really speak up until I was about 16 years old. And this happened, you know, like I said, when I was four, wow. that was very um, difficult to like hold in. And that just kind of festered into severe anxiety. I mean, I was talking like panic attacks in like third grade, and I didn't even know how to express that that was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very, very fortunate that my parents are both um, really, really open and accepting of mental health and mental illness. Um, they both have struggled with their own anxieties and depressions in the past. And, um, I just, I'm so lucky that they recognized that something was off and got me into therapy at a very young age. So I was, um, just like I said, you know, as I got older and more aware, I got more angry and resentful of what had happened to me. And I started to think that like, I wasn't worthy or that, you know, why was this, why did this happen to me? Why was this my story? Like, how am I supposed to ever trust again? How am I mm -hmm. supposed to feel safe again? Um, and those are such limiting, low vibrational like thoughts. And I was just allowing myself to be defined by them. And really what kind of um, triggered the, the eating disorder specifically, and it's very common in in women who've experienced sexual abuse is this kind of need to like reclaim your body and make it your own again. Mm -hmm. And and even the, again, like even though it was many, many years later, it's like after I started to become aware of the fact that like my body could be different and like my curves were popping up and I'm now like becoming a woman and I just felt like I just wanted to shrink that and I wanted to control 
myself and my emotions through controlling my eating. It, and it's very much like a, a coping mechanism, much like drinking yeah. or anything would be. Um, so I, I noticed and understand now looking back that it really um, manifested into anorexia when I went to college and I was so scared. I, I grew up in New Jersey and there was a big change um, in going to a huge university. I went to Arizona State. Um, so I just knew I was moving away from everything and I wanted like some form of control or, or something that I knew was like mine. And that became my obsession with eating or restricting and, um, over exercising. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was so fearful to even take up space in this world or even to use my voice or even to, um, you know, tell people what had honestly happened to me. And that's, not a good place to be in and not it's a lonely space to be in and um yeah I, it it manifested into a lot of anger it resulted in a lot of me kind of seeking chaos a little bit maybe as a distraction like always having um uh kind of volatile like like friendships and situations that just felt less than supported mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I went to treatment when I was about 19 um for the first time so I was in college and my, my parents had me go for my eating disorder. And that was the first time I had ever had like very intense self-work and, and a, a dedicated amount of time. I was there for a few months um, to just look at, look at myself and look at my behavior and kind of reassess it all. And um, I then proceeded to, you know, kind of live life in recovery. Uh, and I say kind of because it was recovery of my body. I felt like I had, you know, started to, um, take care of myself again. I was not restricting anymore. I was resisting the kind of like compulsive behaviors that an eating disorder includes, but I wasn't feeling totally, uh, great from the mindset standpoint. So that mm -hmm. shifted later. I had kind of another recovery of like the mind, which is a lot harder. And that's, that's letting go of those like negative thought patterns and core beliefs that we've we've created for ourselves. And, um, that was made possible through a second round of treatment for PTSD. And, and, um, I'm super open about it because, you know, I think PTSD and trauma in general can have a very, uh, can kind of have a stigma. Like we kind of have this view of like, it's soldiers who experienced war or something right. like, and, and while that's completely true and valid, um, it can be, there's kind of just like, like, the long-term trauma that we don't even realize like it could be the form of um continued like verbal abuse from someone in your family that kind of just like over and over again compiled into something that really caused a lot of pain and um or it can be something like so many women experience with sexual trauma and anyway i just was blown away by this uh treatment program because they they incorporated a lot of mindfulness and a lot of meditation and um it was rooted in something called dialectical behavioral therapy which is a really interesting uh form of therapy that is again rooted in like kind of almost buddhist principles and um we did yoga and we did things that were just different than sitting in a room and talking and i felt like for the first time i was noticing shifts and changes in the way that i i spoke to myself um and I felt like I, I mentioned this on my website, I felt like I developed a toolbox of actual tangible actions that I could do for myself when things get really hard. And um, because that brought so much relief, and at this point I was about 23, and I had been 
implementing these things and, and making it a part of my life. And that's when I decided to share it online. And, um, it's still scary. Like just now I realize I just rambled for like 10 minutes about (laughs) like, (laughs) it's certainly not light. Um, but it's really important to me and I, um, know that now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you summed it up perfectly. It's so important to talk about these things, especially I think the PTSD and the trauma, because like you said, a lot of people put this kind of label on it that it has to be, you know, someone coming back from war, which like you said, is very valid. But it's also there's so many other things that can happen to you, even at a very young age, just like at four years old or at 16 years old, like you said, a lot can happen depending on you know, the situations that you're in. And I think so often, um, I think it is shifting, but the world that we live in kind of just brushes that away because they say, oh, you know, they're so young, like they'll just forget about it or, you know, they're, they're going to be fine. They have so many years ahead of them. Um, but the truth is like that stuff sticks with you. Um, so I think it's just so empowering for you to share that story. Um, I'd love to touch on one piece, um, that you mentioned about your therapy. So you mentioned that, um, you were kind of faced with yourself and I think being by yourself and, you know, being forced to kind of, you know, look at your emotions, look at kind of your behavior is a really, really hard thing to do. Um, so I'd love to kind of have you explain that and kind of talk about the transition from, you know, being scared to face yourself to being able to, you know, to being confident with who you are. Totally. That's a great question. I really like that. Um, yeah, I think that that was the part that we all resist the most is playing the blame game is really easy. And it's a, and it's easy to say, oh, this person wronged me or this happened and that hurt. Um, and again, like, yes, that is facts. Like that, that can happen and that's valid and part of the story and part of your truth. But at the same time, I had to look at how I was showing up in the world and like the way I was speaking to other people was a reflection of how I felt about myself. And I always remember like, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people. And it's so true and so simple. Um, I was lashing out on my family and my parents and pushing them away because I just didn't want to say what I really needed to say, which was you hurt me or I feel sad or I feel scared or I feel Mm -hmm. lonely. And my actions were very like, you know, defensive, because that's what I thought would keep me guarded and safe. And when the more you put your your guards up in those walls, the more isolated you feel. So that was interesting to look at and to finally take accountability. And again, being like, you know, in my early 20s at the time, it's hard to look at yourself and be like, all right, I need to change this. I'm actually at at fault too. Um, Mm -hmm. We all want to believe that we're, we're perfect and we're not. And I think that's what happened when, when I went there, I just really took a hard look at the way I was behaving and the way I was even just in my mindset and easy little things like, you know, being jealous of someone else's success, like when I would see them or feeling like I just that stuff, that's a lack mentality. And it's something that is just because I was conditioned to believe that that's all that would happen for me. And then I started to understand like, okay, yeah, I, there is a piece of this that I was out of control of. Um, but there's a lot that I am in control of. And that's the way I choose to show up every day in my mindset. And it's my ability to express gratitude every day instead and to 
find the gift in all of this. And it's like, I remember when I started to share about my experience and, and also just share like the victories and the success, like this stuff is really, you know, heavy and can be hard, but it was also fun to just be creative and like take pictures of my food. And that felt like Mm -hmm. a breath of fresh air compared to all of this like inner work I'd been doing. And I just, I realized that there was something about being resilient and finding those, those kind of like shadows that live in you is really brave. And I started to just embrace that. And now like, I just hope to encourage anyone who follows along to do the same because it is like, the best gift I've ever given myself was like the forgiveness and permission to just move forward. I love that. I think, you know, everyone has different things that they regret during their life. And I think something that I struggle with is giving myself that permission to move on and say like, you know what, it was a mistake. It's okay. I feel like sometimes I can get trapped in that mindset of like, Oh, well, if I would have done this differently, like this would have been better. Um, so I love how you phrased that. I think it's something that we all can work on is just kind of giving ourselves, um, a little bit of the grace that we would give to someone else in the same situation. Yes. I love that you said that we were really, um, we're always thinking about forgiveness as far as giving it to others. And that's beautiful, but it's just as beautiful to give it to yourself and just as important. Definitely. Um, so I guess from there, so, uh, you had, you know, done yoga and your therapy, um, sort of these, I would say more alternative, um, forms of therapy, which is really cool that you found a place like that. Is that what sparked your initial interest in yoga? And I know you obviously continued down that path and now you're certified to teach. Um, and it seems like it's a big part of your life. Is that what sparked that? It is. That is what sparked it. And I, I always laugh and like tell people that my yoga practice was never like the bendy, crazy stuff you see on Instagram. I bought like a really crappy mat from Target and like did YouTube videos in my bedroom. Like I couldn't afford like (laughs) studio at the time. I was like young and like barely working because I was in therapy. (laughs) And I was like, I just want to, I just want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been exposed to yoga before and my, my mom did it when I was growing up and I, I also danced when I grew up. So I was like, we would have it occasionally at my studio and stuff that I Mm -hmm. danced. And so I was familiar, but I just kind of like, I don't know. I just never, I was never that interested. And then for some reason, maybe because I was in a space where I was looking for anything to give me relief. I was open to trying anything. I was like coloring. I was like trying any new um, kind of alternative way to get really present. And I was enjoying meditation. And then I started to try the yoga videos on my own as well as classes there and just found so much relief in my body. I think that like um, when you experience disordered eating and poor body image, we can start to have a very like Um, dysmorphic view of what our body even looks like and then when you're having a hard time like if your emotions are pretty high one day or you're feeling like uh, maybe that's say overwhelmed or out of control that can actually reflect in how you like feel in your physical body and you can like almost see a side of you that's not actually reality like you feel larger maybe than you are you feel Mm -hmm. less strong or something like that and that's it's really really um, frustrating when your mind is, when you want to feel 
feel better about yourself and you want to feel confident and your mind is not allowing it. And what I found in my yoga practice was when I was doing these poses and I was like following and matching them to my breath, I actually felt like I was like fully aware of what my body really looked and felt like. It it brought me back there. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This feels really great. And I wanted to then take that feeling like off the mat. And it just took like, you know, continually exercising that muscle and understanding what it means to even be present and not worrying about the next thing or feeling anxious about it or kind of ruminating and like being depressed about the past, just being right Mm -hmm. here right now. Um, That's how it began. And I, I allowed yoga to just be my own thing for a long time. I didn't share a ton of it on Instagram or anything yet. I was um, more focused on food and then decided that um, it really was such a big part of my healing process and it's something that I did want to share with others. I just felt that it was a little irresponsible maybe to not have my certification um, mm-hmm. and to just kind of like sharing yoga without like the background that that this practice that's been, you know, it, it was never glamorized before. It's an ancient right. practice at that. <laughs> um that it deserves. So that's what sparked my interest to do teacher training after I had kind of just developed my personal practice, like for my own self. Um, I went that route and it was really, really amazing. And it made me realize that, um, I just want to continue to share like whatever it means to, to someone to get on their mat and to move intuitively. Um, I just want to like kind of be there for them in that Mm -hmm. and celebrate that with them. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think you're, when you said taking it off the mat, I think your Instagram is one of the most real Instagrams out there as far as far as like wellness entrepreneurs go. Um, because I really feel like it's not, you know, just selling these supplements or, you know, trying to get you to buy this, that and the other. It's really like, okay, let's take it back to the basics. Let's think about, you know, what, how we feel when we're just sitting there and meditating or how we feel when we're moving our body and really leaning into that. So I really appreciate, I think, your work in creating that space. It's it's super refreshing. Thank you. That is the biggest compliment. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> I, I try and it can be really hard sometimes. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know sometimes what to write and I want to feel like I'm connecting and bringing something that's different. And right. that's, it's important to just let when, when you feel, and this goes for anyone who's building a personal brand and wants to like infuse more authenticity and their story, when something really kind of triggers you and gives you, gives you some kind of emotional reaction, like that's what you need to write about. When you feel that moment in your stomach and you, you just like know that it fires you up, Mm -hmm. that's what you should share. Because every time I follow that instinct of like, Oh, this is important. I need to say this and share this. I receive so much feedback. But when I sit back and I'm like, Hmm, how can I inspire today? Right. (laughs) Not good. Um, so yeah, that's, thank you. I really appreciate it. And it took a lot of time to kind of, um, not get too in the comparison trap too, Mm because there are so many amazing like leaders in this space. And I just want to be, um, you know, someone, someone's inspiration somehow, right. somewhere. It doesn't have to be everyone. And I, and I know and understand that, um, there's so many different voices and teachers that are, 
that are great to follow along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing we've said from the beginning of this podcast is if we can reach one person, then we'll be happy. But it's like you said, when you're when you're actually, you know, living your truth and sharing that with others, that's what's going to resonate. And it won't resonate with everybody, but it will to some. And that's how you make those connections. Um, And I'm definitely guilty of like, trying to post something and like okay I need to think of like a really witty caption but at the end of the day it's like okay the posts that are gonna resonate with people are the ones that I'm like actually being real with and you know sharing whatever happened that day um so it's on the fly yeah exactly yeah whatever like you said whatever triggers you whatever lights you up um, so I'd love to get into the good fest more. So you did your yoga teacher training, you kind of created this wellness space. How did you and Jess and Jen, you know, create the good fest? What was that like being, you know, business partners with other people? How did that process go? Yeah, it's, it's funny. We like look back and I feel like our business really took off before we were ready, but not in the sense that it's like, it was just, it was a happy accident. We, um, and I know that's like some people might roll their eyes when they hear that, but uh, essentially we wanted to do something in Philly and we all are from there. So we just kind of had this like vision of something that was maybe on a smaller scale, like 50 to 75 people, um, something that allows them to bop around the city to different studios. And we just were kind of like spitballing in the, uh, coffee shop one day and, I don't know what or or who or what was said to trigger us to say, let's do this bigger. But we um, ended up going and seeing a venue and it could it could hold far more people than we um, had planned on. And we said, like, should we just go for it? And then we decided to make the festival like a full day event. Uh, We had three hundred and fifty people the first the first time in April of 2017. And that was in Philly. And we were like, wow this was really, really special. And it was, um, there are many wellness events now and there's space for every event and meet up, um, community is community. And we want more of that all the time. But what we felt like at, at that point in, in 2017 was it was still fairly new, this kind of concept of these wellness events. And they're certainly in Philly, there was nothing going on. And, um, we just got a really, really great response. And we heard a lot of women having really important conversations. Um, we worked with a lot of really great speakers that were absolutely the reason for our success. We always credit our speakers for being um, just such powerful thought leaders. And then their loyal audiences come and experience the, the day with us, which allows us to, to gain momentum. And it's really them that does it. But anyway, we had our first one. And we had to sit down and really think, like, is this something that we go for? And we do we take the risk in in making it more than just kind of a local event? And that's when we decided to take it to other cities. And we, we did L.A. next, and we grew the size of the audience and the attendees. And um, we just continued to pop around different, different cities since. And we've done, um, like I said, like kind of smaller scale events as well as the full day festivals that take about eight months to plan. Um, and they're a ton of moving parts. And it's funny because a lot of people like ask, what is it like to plan the good fest? And I say, it's like spreadsheets and emailing <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. that's it. Cause we're, we're event planners. And, um, it's, it's an interesting process when you work on something 
it's like planning a wedding like twice a year essentially <laughs> because mm-hmm. you do two large scale festivals a year and they take six to eight months each. And, um, yeah, it's like, it's a lot, a lot of details and moving parts all for one epic day. And that is what we, um, we wait for is that day and to like see everyone in the same room and see the smiles and see the hugs and see the tears mm-hmm. and um, feel it all kind of come together. And it's really powerful. So we're very, very, very grateful um, for the support we've received since the beginning. And we continue to to get from our audience and people who, who share that it was a great experience for them. And we're so lucky and like just feel really honored to like give that space to people. Yeah. And hats off to you guys, because I think the way you curate the speakers is just so on point. Um, I will never forget Ruby Warrington's, I don't want to say speech, her discussion, how she was so vulnerable, how she cried and, you know, kind of told a little bit about her story and her fear of public speaking. And I'll also never forget Shan Boudram Boudram, um, and her amazing talk about just vaginas and like things (laughs) we deal with as women. And I, I just loved the variety and just the depth of knowledge that these speakers had so kudos to you guys for like always finding fresh new people in the wellness industry thank you thank you so much yeah we um they're awesome like we look at them and we're just in awe those those women everyone we've worked with ruby is a great example shan they're just so in their flow when they're Mm -hmm. up there like that is their space that's what they're meant to be doing and sharing and um their voice is meant to be heard in that way. So it's really cool to watch other women like totally kill it up there. Um, and that's why it's so well, well received. And I think too, it's like really important that our content kind of goes there. Um, we, we don't want to just talk about what we're eating all day. Like Mm. we're all super smart, incredible women who deserve conversation beyond like paleo versus Mm plant-based. Like, and not to say there isn't a place for that. It's just, um, we saw the need for, for something different. And it's like, yeah, we might need to talk about sex or our vaginas sometimes, mm-hmm. or we need to just kind of cry and make that okay. Too. <laughs> um, yes. So that's, that's really, that's really great to hear that you guys enjoyed it for I that reason. It. We wish we could be in LA <laughs> this weekend. Um, I but, know. Too. <laughs> but speaking of LA, I would love to um, just hear about what sparked your transition from Philly to moving to LA, if there was anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny. I, when we were here, our February festival was in February of 2018. Mm-hmm. And here we are, February 2019. And I'm living here. And if you asked me if I was going to live here, like last year, I would have said no. But I think <laughs> some part of me, like in my gut, totally wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I remember being, I remember feeling like, really great that week. And I don't know if it's the sunshine or just, I don't know, something about it. When we were out here, I just really enjoyed it. And um, yes, there's a shitload of traffic and <laughs> it's a lot and it's very daunting. I, for some reason, just felt kind of called to it. But um, anyway, long story short, this fall, I uh, decided to end a, a relationship of five and a half years. And that was, um, wow. really difficult. He had been with me since all of the therapy and everything and mm-hmm. had seen me at my lowest and had stuck by me. So, um, it was a really, really hard decision and continues to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, 
Um, it's something that I just kind of knew. And through time, the past few years and with my teacher trainings and um, just continuing to develop like spiritual practice and everything else, like my intuition fires up like really strong. Like I, I now can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And something's telling me like it's it's time to move on. Um, and I just needed to be honest with myself and with some and with my partner. And um, so he, when that happened, I called a friend of mine and I just said, hey, I, you know, this happened. I, I was crying hysterically and I'd been friends with uh, this person for a long time. And he said to me, someone's moving out of my apartment. Like, do you want his room? And I was oh, like, wow, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's insane. I do. And I had this. Yeah, I had visited him before out in LA and I had been in the apartment before and I remember really liking it and I was like, yes, sign me up. So mm-hmm. um, about a month later, I was here and I brought two suitcases and I made it work. <laughs> That's awesome. Like to be able to move across the country away from family, I think that's that's huge and just the way everything worked out obviously it it was meant to be and you know being honest with yourself and with someone that you've been with for so long I can't imagine how difficult that was and I mean you said you're still working through I'd probably be working through it for a really really long time um so that is that's crazy. I mean, crazy in a good way. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I it, it's good and bad crazy. You know, it's it can be breakups are are really freaking hard, mm-hmm. and I um, just can't even imagine. Like, I don't know if there's ever, ever going to be. I finally understand what it means to like always have love for someone, and mm-hmm. I always will have love for him. Um, but yeah, it's hard when it's it's some adult shit when you're like, oh, yeah. okay, I love and care about this person and they, they're there for me and there's nothing truly wrong, but it's just not right. Like mm-hmm. that, that couldn't be more adult. Um, right. And that's when I was like, oh, God damn it. I have to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was tough, but regardless, I am here now and I, I know that it was the right thing for me because I think staying in the same place where we had lived and had this life together it just would have been too much. It would have been too triggering and yeah. it would have been um, really hard to ever kind of get out of that that energy. So um, I don't know how long I'll be here. I always, I miss my family very much. I love mm-hmm. them to death and we're, we're, I'm calling my parents every day. Like we're so close. <laughs> so um, I'll see them all the time, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's very interesting to go from having a very clear kind of like idea of what your life's going to look like and then you mm-hmm. turn it upside down and you're like all right yeah <laughs> here we go again yeah definitely and I, I've moved around a ton in my life I've just kind of gotten used to it but it's it's never easy and I, I think to your point you know adulting that hard it's like we're conditioned to kind of settle for yeah. people and for things and I think a lot of times the world will if you know if you're in a five and a half year relationship they're like oh yeah well that's the person mm-hmm. you're gonna be with there's no way that you can end that but it's like no we don't need to to listen to that not everyone's the same you know we're all moving on our own path and you know you can love someone so much but if you're on a different path and that's just it's it's not going to work out in the long run and you're gonna you know have regrets and all of that so so kudos to you for doing that and um hopefully one day we'll be able to see you in LA <laughs> I, love I love that yeah um so I think we just have time for one or two more questions but what we really cool. like to ask our guests um to finish things off is what is your either 
nighttime routine or morning routine? Whichever one you like better. <laughs> Ooh, great question. Um, let's do morning. Um, it is not necessarily glamorous, but I love waking up to um, the natural light. Like I keep all my blinds open. And I really love that. I like to immediately feel like I'm just like kind of bathing in light. Um, so I always leave my blinds wide open, which can be um, a little tough if you go to bed late, but then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm up early and I love that. I like that it's, it just gets me going. And then I usually turn on, um, actually turn on music almost right away. I really enjoy like, just like soft, like music that I am, whatever I'm listening to lately, as well as my like oil diffuser and I'll go grab my cold brew coffee. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll do, I do iced coffee and I do, um, little drops of like, I don't mind the taste of stevia. I'm like the only person in the world. So I do like (laughs) stevia flavored drops. Um, And I come back into my room and I make my bed, which is a new habit that I've done um, recently. And then I sit and just either breathe or I'll pull like a card from one of my decks. And that's just like my like, you know, 10 minute in total moment for me. And, um, I've been doing a a ton of traveling lately. So I really, really enjoy when I am in my space to have it be like kind of sacred. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think number one, I'm actually more of a morning person than I am a nighttime person. So a morning routine just fits me more naturally, but I've been finding that if I don't get that time in, in the morning before going to my nine to five and then working on the podcast, I almost become a little resentful with like my time. (laughs) Like I, I want, I, I don't know. I just feel like by the end of the day that I don't have time for me, whether that's half hour workout or just like taking the time to actually make myself a good breakfast. So I love a love a good morning routine. The <laughs> moral of the story. Well, that's, such a, that's a great point. You can get a little resentful because we're doing so much for others all day. And um, it's so important to just give yourself that. Like like when I make myself a smoothie and take the time rather than like shoving a go macro bar in my bag, mm-hmm. like it's just like, wow, I feel so much I feel better about myself. I feel like I cared for myself and it actually allows me to show up better for whoever I'm I'm heading to interact with. Yeah, it's it's so important. And I actually did that last Friday. Usually I'll get in at a certain time. And last Friday, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself an extra half hour. And I was like on fire at work the whole rest of the day. And I was like, I think I'm going to make this a Friday routine. Um, it was It was crazy the amount of energy I was able to put into work and just bring to everything because I took that time. So totally agree. Um, But I think, you know, we could like talk forever. I feel like you have so much knowledge and um, maybe we'll have to do part two, but for our listeners, where can they find you? Yes, they can find me on Instagram, Kate Van Horn or on um, The Good Fest. And then my website's katevanhorn.com and thegoodfest.com. So pretty simple. (laughs) Awesome. Um, And you can find us at Detox and Chill Podcast on Instagram. You can search us on Facebook. We have a great group where we're having a lot of, um, you know, loving conversations about topics like this. Um, You can shoot us an email. You can find us on our website, all of the things. Um, So thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.